Daredevil premiered on April 10th, 2015 through Netflix. Let's put 53 minutes on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows, but only the pilot episode. That means the first show, in case you didn't know. Well, you never know what show they're gonna talk about, but they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study. My name is Chris Lantinen and I am your host and I am joined as always by Grimes. Welcome Grimes. Good morning sir. As always offering affordable and ethical legal aid <laughs> uh, today, to those in need. Today we are on our third episode of our Superheroes theme month. And of course it is probably the most popular superhero show of the last... I don't know, three or four years or so, and that is Daredevil. It is the, it was the first Marvel Netflix uh, partnership show, and just a little history on the partnership. So it's interesting in that they announced five different shows, thirteen episode seasons, I would assume for each, because that's what this first season is for Daredevil, and that's what Jessica Jones's first season was. They announced five of these as a partnership with Netflix and Marvel before Daredevil even premiered. One that is a sign of huge confidence for this yeah, really. for this partnership that you're committing that much time because if Daredevil failed and if it was just a creative disaster, then you've promised people four more shows after this. And it's I, I think it's actually completely different than what Marvel did with movies because Marvel did Iron Man and there was like hints of the Avengers thing coming down the pipeline, but people really didn't know that they were going all in until that Samuel L. Jackson cameo at the end of Iron Man. So they had the chance of seeing, okay, Iron Man's good. We can do this. Let's put the post-credit tag on there, and let's really do Avengers. Let's do the team-up everything. Right. Marvel's at a point now where they're just like, fuck it, man. We're just going to go all we out. so much money. <laughs> We're just going to go all out. We're doing five shows. We don't. I don't even care if Daredevil's good first. Luckily, <laughs> it ended up being decent, but... So that's kind of like your your confident background of the show, and we can talk we can talk about if that confidence uh, is actually shown off at all. But let's start with those first couple scenes. First up, we have the very quick and dirty, quite literally dirty origin of Matt Murdock and of Daredevil and of his blindness, and we have the religious underpinning established that the show kind of rides throughout the first season. This is the first of many. Um, obscure and vague discussions in the confessional that he has with this priest. Oh, okay. Who I believe eventually just knows that he's Daredevil, but I'm not, I can't be positive about that. I don't, I don't quite remember. But, and that's not really a spoiler, so people that hate spoilers. So let's talk about those first couple scenes. One, the origin story. Is that enough for you? Do you know everything you need to know? Because, I mean, we have this syndrome where we spend so much time on origin stories. Is that enough for you? Those two minutes, get it out of the way. How how was that for you? Well, for me, I come to this as a simpleton, as a clean slate of knowledge of comic books and Marvel and all that. So I try to judge it based on knowing someone who knows nothing, and I get it. I mean, I did see the Affleck movie, so I kind of, I mean, you know the story. But the way this show handles it for their purposes, I thought it was great. Can I also say that it's, 
it's still strange to me. I know, like, the title sequence is a tradition, and this is going to count as our title talk as well. I know title scenes are, like, a, just a TV tradition. Why does Netflix still feel like they have to do them? Yeah. Is no, it, because is it, we is all it just, just like, want to fast-forward them. Is it just, like, a... Um, is it just, like, a way to break up the rhythm into have the ability to have like a cold open style thing because it does work in the show sometimes because they'll have like some explosive fight or um something and they'll be able to end on like that stinger line you know that that little tease line that they can end before they go to the intro i don't know maybe it's just like a structure thing and it works better with that break in between i think people are already taking the leap using netflix instead of cable so this is like an extra way to make them feel safe like it's just like your regular tv show right there's like commercial breaks you can pause you know stuff like that (laughs) but it is dumb i mean we all most of us just watch and click that next episode arrow and just want the theme song to be skipped but this is a long this is the long title sequence (laughs) there's a lot of blood dripping a lot of red um which that that shade of red ends up being a real like piss off point for fans because the costume they eventually settle on because in this episode he's just like in the black ninja suit with like little red strips there's like these nice little callbacks or these nice little tees for that eventual red with these red strips on the black costume but people are still waiting for that shade of title sequence red to be incorporated into the daredevil costume he very much looks like batman in the show now He's got. Mm. He's even got like black armor plates mixed in with like really dark red, basically black in the shadows. So people are still waiting for that title sequence red. But I actually think it's a pretty. It's well designed. It. Um, I, I kind of enjoy it. It gets across what it needs to get across. It establishes some kind of context and it gives you that mask, um, which is a pretty cool mask, all things considered. I, I like. I the, like the mask. I like the title sequence. I think it's a little long. That's about it. And I'm. And the music doesn't really catch me in any cool way the music so. reminded me of dexter as well two things did the way his outfit is in this pilot and the this opening sequence with the blood and the, the almost nice sounding like lullaby-esque music mm-hmm. you know what other and i actually think that hannibal didn't have the title sequence on it from what i remember then it just Correct. it just had the name but it looks it's has a ton of similarities with the hannibal sequence um, it's again the blood dripping to like form form objects and things like that. So I don't want to get like too much into like the religious aspect because I am woefully unprepared to talk <laughs> Catholicism on or this, defend. Yeah, on this Sunday morning. But just what did you think of the fact that there is such a heavy a heavy religious overtone in that first thing, and the fact that they establish him as a religious character. Uh, I'm okay with it in this context because it gives him some like moral compass for his battle for justice. I think like oh, he, that's a good point. Yeah, and then he's like devils in his name, devils in the Murdoch boys. There's all that like added uh, subtext there. Mm-hmm. So to balance out like him beating asses all all night <laughs> every night, like he goes to church and he feels bad that he has to beat the asses, but like. It, overall, he's doing you know a net good for humanity. So I guess 
funnel he uses to justify it is religion, and I think it works. I think it's mm-hmm. kind of cool in this in this regard. I didn't I didn't think about it in that way. That's a that's a good point. You know, uh, one part I really like about that scene is you can very very faintly uh, make out this bruise on his face, and one thing it sets up that this isn't the first time that he's gone out and just beat the shit out of people and got the shit kicked out of him. Like this is a thing he's been doing for a little while. So it sets up that history and it sets up just the, and it just establishes a nice visual aesthetic in that. And this is a show that gets docked a lot for it's very dark lighting on the show. You can barely see like things at times. New York city is never this dark. It's all lit up. And just the fact that they were able to highlight that bruise in such a, a nice, clear way while still keeping half his face in the shadow, that was a really nice touch, and it was just... That was a well-produced scene. I can't say the rest about the entire series, but the cinematography in that scene was pretty good. <laughs> so that first fight, give me your thoughts on the fight. It's um, it's brutal, and it's definitely a stark contrast to the Marvel, the Marvel movies, and I think it... I don't think it caught a lot of people by surprise because this is very much like the on the street version of the Avengers. Like this is the, not the tougher heroes, but um, the more brutal side of that universe that they don't show in the, in the PG 13 movies. But this is like kind of like an R rated fight. (laughs) Yeah, I would say, I mean, you're dealing with already a sensitive subject with human trafficking and what it looks like a bunch of college age girls being led into a cargo container there's a dude tasing them um just by the way if i was a casting agent for this show that role would have been played by dmx but anyway (laughs) so you're you're dealing with that you get tased you get um just matt murdoch coming in full parkour dodging bullets beating ass jujitsu style like hearing knives coming at him he takes everybody out Let's the girls go, gives them directions home. Well, he just tells them to run to the nearest street. Again, Right. I'm not sure there's a ton of parts of New York City. Maybe there is. I'm not a resident. I don't know. But it seems like, again, we're in Manhattan or something here. There's not a ton of parts in Manhattan where you could just fire a gun off and... It's just cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the guy was like, don't worry, nobody will hear you down here. Are you sure? Like, is, yeah. is there really yeah. too many places to hide in, like, modern-day New York? It seems like they're painting New York as, like, the 70s version. Yeah, they're trying to mi- mystify it with that 70s, like, mythical, you know, stuff we hear about and see in movies. Yeah, like, when it was, quote-unquote, really bad. That's, like, the New York City they're painting, but it's still set in, like, the modern world and all of that. So, for me, it's, like, a little too Nolan Batman and that. There's the hiding aspect, and we're not, and I'm not really sure if that's like in Daredevil's past, like him using the darkness, you know, to to kind of <laughs> yeah. sneak around and like pull people darkness. and end up in some other random place that isn't humanly possible, like Batman does in those movies. And you know, the the, the fighting style itself, and the editing, the editing style, and the way they shoot it, it's. It's great because they let the combat play out, which I think is really, really key in this show. And people love the hallway fights here, these like one-take fights. But even just in something like this, just letting it run a couple seconds longer than it would in, say, a Nolan movie or those Bourne movies that were docked for the really, really quick-cutting style. Mm-hmm. The stunt work is good on this show, so you can kind of let it play out. You can see the fights. There's only one minor error I saw is when there was a... 
a slightly less bearded stuntman in kind of like a medium shot, and you could tell it wasn't Matt Murdock or Charlie Cox who plays him. They let it play out, and it just you could build aesthetic momentum in those scenes. It feels like a real fight. It feels like it has you know some kind of energy to it. It's not just um, cut, spliced together and butchered in the editing room. I I really enjoyed right. that part. So before we go any further, we. We started recording like 20 minutes of this podcast, and technical issues made us start over. But this part was really fun and funny to me, and I wanted to make sure we hit on it. <laughs> okay. The whole show, and this is key, the whole show oh, God. <laughs> centers around, and it's strange that the central conflict would relate to a Marvel movie, but it does. The whole show, the central conflict relates to this construction company. And the reason they're doing construction is because something happened called The Incident. That's what they're referring to it, at least. And when I when I asked you what the incident was in our previous recording, <laughs> you told me that you thought it was 9-11, which is great, which is great because that just shows you the amount of explanation they do not provide you in terms of what's actually happening in this show. I don't think we've ever had a TV show, maybe like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because that's another Marvel-connected show, that relies so much on the plotting of a movie its audience may not have seen a lot of people saw the avengers you saw the avengers you're not a comic book fan but you didn't you didn't know that that's what they're referring to i didn't i never would have i I guess i like i don't my whole daredevil knowledge was the affleck movie and like that thing came out 15 years ago or something didn't it a while ago that was when affleck's career basically died with that movie and then we've had the whole Affleck resurgence. We've had enough time has passed where Affleck can now play a different superhero. The superhero. <laughs> I mean, the, the really, superhero. Like, yeah. And people. Those movies can, were in good hands. Christian Bale left that shit as a perfect, well-oiled machine. It's been long enough where, like, kids don't even know that he played Daredevil. So right. That, so that young kids coming into this have really no recollections of him failing as a superhero. Like, we're the only ones that know that. And, and back then, we couldn't have guessed that this was going to be part of a larger, like, Avengers-style thing. And, you know, like, this was all... Well, with a, I think and another point there is with a minor character like Daredevil, if it does flop and if it is, like, deemed this creative disaster, it takes so much longer for something like that to come. It's not like Batman where we can reboot it every five years because it just has such strong staying power. Daredevil is just kind of like a I don't want to call him like a minor league hero because he's really interesting and really cool. He he just doesn't have the public or the pop culture pull to be like, all right, five right. five years later, let's bring him back with Matt Damon or let's bring him back with right. with Leo or whoever they would have tried to get for that second go around. It just they wouldn't have gotten either of those guys, by the way, but uh, he's like he's like on the level of like Aquaman. Right. He's just, he's, everybody knows him, you know the name, but you're not like, oh man, I can't wait for that fucking new Daredevil movie to come out. Um, but it's just, it was weird to me that the whole central conflict, which is like fake pension funds and uh, deals with some construction company, Ally Construction, who is helping rebuild the city after this fight, it all is based off the Avengers. <laughs> and 
And your boy Grimes just missed it. Like, it wasn't there with me. I came into this and I was like, yeah, 9-11, great, let's do it. They always toss in references and things like that. And, like, the post-9-11 America has been, like, a theme in superhero movies in the past. Um, Like, Especially that part of New York, like, you know, gentrification, etc. Right, and Man of Steel has uh, took a lot of that symbolism and used it in its recent movie. And so that's definitely something that a lot of, I think... I'm sure you're not the only one. No, you are. You're the only I'm one. I'm the that only one, that dude. Connection. I, I do a freaking podcast about TV. Well, and it's not. A, it's not about. Thinking. It's not about Marvel movies. Let's just be fair to yourself. Sure. And hey, you and whatever. you're 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 not slaving over Marvel trailers, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. All right. So our our auxiliary characters. First up, good old Foggy Nelson. Now, All right, yeah, let's fo- get into it. Foggy is interesting because I have never seen such hate for a Marvel <laughs> character. Like, maybe maybe like Natalie Portman in Thor. Like, she, I know she gets a lot of hate, especially like in the first, or at least their treatment of like the, her female character. Or maybe like Kat Dennings in Thor. A lot of Thor characters are hated, apparently. I've never, but the, the vitriol never matches the hatred of Foggy. When the second season premiered, I saw many, many tweets that were like, you know, if Foggy dies in the first five minutes of season two, the, I, I'm going to be really excited for this show. <laughs> oh, man. Like, they are praying for Foggy's death. What, I have my own theory, but what do you think makes Foggy so easy to hate? And what do you think makes him just not quite fit in with the show aesthetic that they're, they've built. He just doesn't play the character as a fully formed, like the actor playing him doesn't come to it with any depth. It seems like there's no, like dude playing daredevil is so goddamn intense. I feel like he lives his life off camera as Daredevil. <laughs> like, he just stays in character. He just beats like up just, uh, you know, beats up petty criminals. Or at least goes around blind, like, 12 hours a day just to stay, like, real with it. And I just don't... He's, like, a character that would be on a TNT show, like, Psych or Suits or one of those things. Like, he, he's Oh, my too... God. He definitely needs to be in... Well, I think Psych has been canceled and Suits has been canceled as well, but he needs to be like a side character in Franklin Burn and, Notice. Frank, Franklin <laughs> and Bash. Yeah, one of those. Like, And, you know, those shows have their place or whatever, but he just, as soon as he came on the screen, it cha- he changes the vibe of the show, but not in like a, not in necessarily a bad way, but he doesn't help. Like, he's just weird. He seems like part of a different... Mm-hmm. He seems like he belongs in the rest of the happy Marvel universe, like in the movie theater as like a quirky, funny cameo Jack Black thing. First up, Foggy was also in Mighty Ducks 2 as the, one of the big Bash brothers, and I find that great because he's the biggest wuss. They portray him as the huge wuss in this show, and just the fact that he got his start, he was probably just a big kid. He got to start oh. as like the enforcer of a kids hockey team, <laughs> which in its own regard is a really weird concept. Um, I think they would probably change that around a little bit in current day, considering how fighting is viewed now. But, well, they were um, taking his bullyism and turning positive, like 
channeling it to a positive venture like hockey instead of him just kicking kids asses either way <laughs> like they took his bullying and then just made him beat the shit out of russians or, or like, no, here do it on, on ice where it's okay was like, the, was the evil te- was the evil team iceland yeah they were some scandinavian country and they all had flat top haircuts <laughs> they all look like dolph lundgren's illegitimate yeah, children yeah they did they were it was just dolph lundgren and his 15 kids playing hockey <laughs> um i like I mean, Foggy has some good lines. I don't want to just sit here and trash on him. But I think the big thing is that their their friendship doesn't fully feel natural. And they're supposed to be lifelong friends, went to college together, interned together, and started this firm to help people. And I think a big part of it is that Charlie Cox just simply outacts. Um, I think his name is Eld. Oh, let me get his name real quick, just so I don't mess it up. Uh, he was in the Hunger Games, but I don't have his name written down. It's Elder Elden Hansen, I believe is his name. And he just gets outacted in every single scene. So his line reading yeah. seems so stunted as a result as compared to Charlie Cox that he just, I mean, it's so just noticeable because he's acting against somebody who is really bringing it. If, like, Cox was on the same level as him and they were both just, like, average actors then I don't think it would be as noticeable. But he just gets... Cox just acts circles around him. So every time he reads a line, you can you feel like he's looking at a cue card on SNL. Like, it just feels like he's thinking about it too much. It's never... Yeah. It's never fully natural. And that might be, like, a big reason why people have taken this large hatred for him. Another reason, I think, is that he is portrayed as a wuss. And people generally don't like wusses. And I think that they made a mistake in a lot of their writing of him. And so I don't think it's all the actor's fault. I think it's just, it's a combination of those factors that make him just, he looks bad by comparison um, to his other actors, except when we get to Karen Page, who's on a whole other level of bad. Hmm. She like, she's really, really breathing a lot. And, um, but he's kind of he's he's kind of in the middle of those two, I guess. Is my point. I guess yeah, that's a good good sub summary. But uh, yeah, one of these things is not like the other. Even Karen Page, like with her breathing and whatnot, she still fits <laughs> with in with breathing the breathing and whatnot. She still fits into the, the overall like you know vibe, I guess. She's very intense, but like almost yeah. intense that I'm gonna laugh at it a little bit. Like she's, she is, um, well, Karen Page, we should talk about this because we should talk a little bit about the plot of the actual show. Karen Page is somebody who worked at Allied Construction, which we mentioned was fixing up the city after the incident, uh, 9-11 in other words. (laughs) (laughs) The 9-11 of the Marvel Universe. Exactly. That's what you meant. Um, And she stumbles across some files that she she shouldn't stumble across. And when we find her... She has, um, it looks like she's killed somebody with a knife, but as they kind of uh, figure out throughout that pilot episode, because I believe by the end she's cleared, right? I believe so, yes. They do, they do all that in one episode and set her up as a new, as like their secretary basically at their, their kind of makeshift law firm. She's an employee for free. Yeah, she's an employee for free and also cooking them food, which is just not not great for women's roles in television uh, not not even not even underpaid not paid and also cooking the men dinner so working that's, for them that's for, in two ways that's a whole another thing 
But so we find that she is standing over a dead body with a knife in her hand, all bloody. And she claims that she had blacked out and she doesn't remember anything after they met because this guy who's dead is in the legal department of Allied Construction. And so she is being set up for a murder um, that she did not commit. And it is because she has stumbled upon these files, which kind of sets everything in motion in this show. This, this sets everything up. Now, we talked about Karen Page's acting and how it's a little breathy and mm-hmm. how she's certainly not... She didn't impress me in any way, but I don't know. Do you other than hotness? <laughs> do you want to defend her in any way, or are we are we down on Karen? I think I'm down on her mostly. I mean, um, because she lies to Matt Murdock at one point. You don't you don't don't play that. Don't like that shit. Matt don't Murdock's like a nice dude. He's helping you. He's about to give you a job. He's saving your life. Don't lie to him. It's okay. You you can trust him. Can I say that I don't really know a ton about Daredevil, the character, if that hasn't been fully evident by this podcast. <laughs> but uh, if he's any, if he's as valiant as Cox like displays him, I think I would like that comic book. And I think as like a, a kid, I would be able to take a lot of positive qualities away from. Him. Not only is he blind, which I have some things on how he trained to be blind, by the way. Not only is he blind, but he is brave, and he he is just a valiant character. He's coming to the aid of people that actually need it. He's not mm-hmm. just Bruce Wayne. He's not just like a rich dude just going out and fighting to get his anger out. He is like a guy that is a true hero, or at least he's displayed as a true hero, and I think that's part acting and part just the, the character base that's already established. He is a hero, and I think that is probably the biggest thing you can take away from the pilot, and that is that they establish him in that in that kind of way. And I mean, at one point or several points throughout this episode, he could have had his way with any number of ladies, <laughs> but he doesn't because he's above that shit too. He's like, no, I'm Matt Murdock. I do law during the day, street justice at night. That's it. <laughs> I like street justice at night. So he could have had his way with Karen Page. The real estate lady for sure. Oh, yep, the real estate lady. Can you lead me around? That's a little trick, I think. I don't think Yeah, he... I mean he's like he gotta he has to get like human contact at some point, but just to walk around the apartments enough. He doesn't let his mind get sullied with like sex. He stays pure above all temptation, like Jesus. Like <laughs> Jesus. All right, so you admit and going back to the religious imagery themes, you know, devil, angel. That's true. Now, I want to talk about his work with Joe Streke, I guess, or Streaky, or I don't really know how to pronounce it. S T R E C H A Y. He is a guy who's been blind for twenty years, and he worked with him. He's a consultant on this film, and Charlie Cox worked with him, and he said that it was absolutely terrifying at times, um, as they described an exercise in which he was blindfolded and taken out for a walk around the streets with Joe as his guide. Literally the blind leading the blind. The actor actor found himself standing at crossroads with no idea which direction traffic was coming from and unable to tell whether or not he was in immediate danger. Charlie Cox said, It felt like the traffic was coming from all directions. I didn't even know if I was on pavement or not. So that's, I mean, that's pretty intense. And, like, okay, so he also says, um... Of course, I would actually have the use of my eyes as long as it didn't look like I was looking at anything. He's talking about, of course, acting. 
but just making a cup of tea, how do you pour boiling water into a mug and know when the mug is appropriately full? It's the tiny little things that are very, very tricky. And of course, he's taught. I think there is a scene where he serves tea, right? I believe so. Yeah. So this is from that was from ScreenRant.com, by the way, and that was him talking about that idea. I mean, there's just a ton of little touches that he does, and it feels completely authentic. And I think if you were, um, if you were somebody who knew somebody with that disability, I think it would really connect to you on an authentic level. I don't know anybody with that disability, but. And it felt real to me, as as real as it could for somebody who's not around that situation. Yeah, the acting around it didn't feel forced or weird or make like a huge deal about it, which it, I think it, is good. I, it could have got weird. It could have got yeah. um, not awkward or weird, but you're just it, not going to buy into him as Daredevil or anything if he can't get that right. Yeah, and it never feels overdone. I guess right, that, that's right. that's the big thing. It could it could have really quickly gotten to overdone territory, where like he's like, <laughs> I'm trying to say it in like a not offensive way, but like bumping into things. Yeah, and like just you know that that side of it or that well, side. Well, if of, they handled of that, it clumsily, it's gonna look worse. You know, right? It's always gonna look worse. But I, again, I think he he handles that aspect very respectfully, and so what are so in this show, what do you think his superpowers are? Because that's another big problem people have with Daredevil is that it's not it's not like fantastic. It's not it's not, it doesn't feel like a comic book because his superpowers aren't pronounced and it doesn't feel like it's leaping off the page. And like I said, with the um, the suit being so dark, it feels like armor and not like a costume. So what do you think his superpowers are? I see his powers um, other than supreme empathy or whatever that other one we talked <laughs> Just about. Just be, being a generally nice guy. Yeah, like um, that's a callback to another episode we did earlier in pilot study when someone else, I forget who it was, had oh, supreme um, empathy or whatever. Uh, Will Graham. Uh, yeah, but um, in Hannibal, right? Yeah, yeah. So other than that uh, – I guess at the risk of sounding wild offensive, like because he is blind, his hearing, like he sees through sound almost like his hearing, his sense of hearing. I don't want to say it's overdeveloped. That's that's not offensive at all. Yeah, that's basically what it is. But like, yeah, he's so he's adapted a way to to compensate for not having sight with you know learning how to focus out noise and like follow it and you know that sort of thing i'm looking up daredevil's list of powers because i want to know like what the official ones are and luckily hardcore a power (laughs) (laughs) being able to take a punch so this is his um, marvel.com tale of the tape all right tale of the tape here apparently he is six foot 200 pounds all right, it's about about what I, I guess he would be. Uh, his powers, oh my god, it's a huge paragraph. His other four senses have been um, enhanced. His sense of touch is sensitive enough to detect the faint impressions of ink on paper, allowing him to read by touch. We don't see that. He is also able to feel minute changes in temperature and pressure, enough to sense a human body at a distance of five feet due to body heat and air disturbance. So he can actually see a human like five feet away because of like predator type vision. 
Nice. <laughs> like heat vision, I guess. His sense of taste is sharp enough to detect the number of grains of salt on a pretzel. All right, that that's weird. Unnecessary, but weird. handy, I guess, if you're a foodie. He can distinguish people by their natural odors. He can hear people speaking through a soundproof wall. He can hear a heartbeat from 20 feet away. And I believe all of this combines into some kind of, like, radar-type vision. Like, I think that's what they displayed it as in the Affleck movie, at least. So they're Yeah, pretty... it's more like a radar. Yeah, it's like a, this red radar-type vision. So we don't see that in the pilot, and I don't think you ever see that really in the show. But you do see, you do have the heartbeat. That's like a big thing he leans on to tell if people are lying or not. Um, when mm-hmm. they when they meet Karen Page and she's describing how she didn't kill this person, that's why they take her case on, and so because her heart her heart is steady. And then she's lying later on in the show about not having the files, so he's able to tell that. But all this other stuff. I don't know. I kind of would have liked to see some enhancement of the powers. Me too. If you're going to have them, use them. I mean, it's the pilot. Go overboard. Get people in. Yeah, like I'm looking at... It's a huge paragraph of stuff that he's supposedly able to do. And apparently he's also able to detect the micro-voltage of human beings' brains. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Well, I think they're trying to play down the nerd aspect of this comic book which series here I, d- for some I don't reason. like i don't like that no i mean people are there for a reason like that's what society has decided that we're all gonna like and so yeah you have these powers you're not using them for what reason because you want to be batman like everybody it's, wants to be batman like too it bad it seems like and it's weird because like think people like characters like Spider-Man are so popular because they have that fantastic quality. Yeah, that's what people want, escapism. It's we don't need another fucking cop procedural drama like No, no. Play we, it up. Be a fucking Marvel show. And Daredevil and Spider-Man I feel like do have some similarities. They both have like the gymnast type or type quality, the ninja type quality. They have the senses, right? The Spidey sense. Um, so they have like that awareness and that fighting mm-hmm. style, and I just think you could have done more. It didn't need to be like a gritty. Um, it didn't need to be NYPD Blue with Daredevil in it, right? Yeah, <laughs> or like you know some serious lawyer show with Daredevil in it. It could have been something a little brighter and a little happier, and just a little more fun, I guess. Like even that second fight. All the fights happen during the night, basically, in this entire show, which is kind of a symptom of that problem, right? We have the fight in the beginning, and we have the second fight, which is in the rain, which I want to hear your thoughts on that one real quick. Well, the second fight, the notes I took are, what's up with all the abundance of karate noises? There was like way too many <laughs> add-ins of like the swishing noise of your arm and like the chopping motion. Um because again, that's like mixing of two worlds that, like, they have the. If you're gonna do a brutal fight, do a brutal fight. Don't make it sound like it's something you know out of some old kung fu movie or something. If you're gonna go with that aesthetic, go for it. Right, and I did think, unlike the first one, which was kind of long, um, kind of a long sequence, but worked. This one was kind of long and felt like it was dragging on. Like, okay, you've established it. Just kept like you know. The they did have that one really cool moment where they crashed out the window. I thought that was pretty neat. 
That is always fun. And that was But then after that they just get back up and it's like a family guy chicken fight. Like it just keeps going. (laughs) You just fell out of a three story fucking window. Like you you're up in two minutes, fine to fight. Come on. (laughs) That that crashing out the window was definitely like a trailer moment for sure. Yeah, that that, was like a big part. Yeah, that was the big part of it. Um a couple more kind of random things as we're I think we got about twenty minutes left, right? Uh yeah, let's. I mean, I can officially tell you, eighteen. Okay, I do. I did want to mention the Frank Miller thing because Frank Miller is this um, comic book artist who is, or comic book creator, writer, or whatever he actually does. I think he's kind of a combo of all that. He's a comic book guy, and his thing is like making things really grim and gritty. And I think. I know he's seen as a large influence on this series, like his run with the Daredevil character. And I think his main inspirations are the black costume, because that's very much taken from the pages of his series. And, you know, that, that ninja costume that he wears at the beginning. Uh, his, his run was called The Man Without Fear as well, just to kind of put that out there. And I'm not sure a ton of what else he took, of what else they took from that Frank Miller. I know that in his series, the father was an abuser. And through his series, a character named Stick enters the fold, who will eventually be used in this show. And also Electra is kind of a, uh, makes her first appearance in Frank Miller's run, and she'll also be in this show. So they're taking a lot of characters from that run. And they are using a few of like the grittier type influences kind yeah. of like the origin type influences that he set up so it's very much of his pen to origin but i think i don't think um i don't think he's the only inspiration on this i think there's a lot a lot of other stuff at play here um another thing i wanted to talk about real quick and frank miller also did dark knight returns 300 sin city he loves dark he loves dark yeah, he's stuff the darkest dude ever and and men and power fighting <laughs> Um, another thing I wanted to talk about real quick is that well, one Marvel has to do shows or like superhero shows and movies now have to take into take into account like the consequences of past superhero movies and shows. So this the central conceit of this show is a consequence of the New York City battle. The new Batman versus Superman movie is the consequence of Superman destroying the city in his fight in Man of Steel. Like it seems like these these writers and these and the people that work on these movies are more and more concerned and interested in what happens when like superheroes are in the real world, what happens after the destruction, Mar- uh, the new Captain America Civil War movie coming out. That's all about like regulating heroes and it's all based around the destruction they've caused. I think that's a cool idea. I think thinking about like the emotional and like governmental ramifications of heroes is an interesting topic to me. I don't know if that interests you at all. It does interest me because it grounds it in some reality. Mm-hmm. Again, I think you can overdo the reality to where it's darker than any sense of fucking reality that people could actually deal with. Right. Like, constant darkness and everything's grim and shitty. Um, But I do like, yeah, the idea that things matter that happen in, you know... It's not just like The Simpsons where it can go on for 40 fucking years and there's no real point. It's just another <laughs> I- another idea this week, another idea, you know what I'm saying? Like, another Marvel movie this month, another one this month. 
it, it does make me feel like forced almost to watch and pay attention now to pick up on things like mm-hmm. shit not being about 9-11 for <laughs> example well it's, um, it's a it's a kind of like a consequence of doing these connected universes because people yeah. people expect everything to link together and everything to have an emotional impact that's carried through across films you can't do you just can't do like these separate entries that have no relation to each other like Batman versus Superman is all based around the fact that Superman is seen as like this bad guy now because of what he did in that fight. And I don't know, that's I know a lot of people don't like Man of Steel, but I like that aspect of it that there is consequences for these actions and that Daredevil has to live in a world where like Iron Man and Hulk and they all destroyed the city and now he's dealing with the shit that came as a result. That's cool to me. Um but really the main True. issue the main issue we have to deal with in this episode and the main issue that we really look at in all these pilot episodes is how are the glasses you know <laughs> how are the glasses and this is a new well it, it is a segment but i gave it a new name so we'll call it a new segment it's called looking at lenses <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right so matt murdoch he's he's got a pair of shades on him we we like rating the glasses and the glasses choices so let's bring up matt murdoch daredevil's sung or his his glasses that he wears and i need your one out of ten rating on what's going on with his john lennon glasses and i assume ten would be like good cool glasses one being shitty ten would be like appropriate to the character and yeah. one one would be like what are you doing all right i'm not gonna totally go bananas here on hate but i'm gonna okay. give murdoch's a three. Ten, ten, ten would be like matt murdoch's um 75 off apartment and one <laughs> would be like foggy nelson's hair <laughs> all right well <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give it a three only because they are much like his hair and his general sense of style aesthetic i mean if you're blind I guess one of your concerns isn't how things look at all. I mean, you just don't. It's not your world. Okay. And so... So you're saying that if he had his vision, maybe he would have selected different glasses. Correct. I think (laughs) he went... He needs glasses to make other people comfortable, not himself. So he probably went to CVS and said, I have $2. Please give me some sunglasses. (laughs) And they were like, okay. I you know I looked up uh, Daredevil glasses and I'm looking at Ben Affleck's. Affleck's are very much like, um, oh, what are those really expensive sunglasses that like they sell? Oakley. Kind of, yeah, the, he's wearing kind of like Oakley style sh- or shaped ones. They're not, yeah. I don't think they're Oakleys, but his look uh, kind of like more normal than I actually like um, these glasses better than the Ben Affleck ones. I'm gonna give him like a, I'm gonna give him like a six. I think they have a lot of a lot of character to them, and okay. I don't know why they're tinted red. I don't I don't really fully get that. <laughs> they but, just uh, look like pedophile glasses to me. Really? They're just so I don't like rounded frames. I don't. I mean, if like you can never. There's never a time in history where a pair of black Ray Bans looks bad. If you're if you're gonna wear sunglasses all the time for whatever reason. 
they look normal, you know, just mm-hmm. get some Ray-Bans, it's fine. You don't need to be clever. You don't need to. I don't know. I hate the glasses. Let's let's look up <laughs> Matt, let's look up Matt Murdock in the comic and see what what kind of glasses he's rocking because, um, okay, yeah, he's got he's got some circular ones at times. He's got some square ones. It seems like he 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 bounces back in between. It looks like the old version is like the circle the circle frames the John Lennon Lennon it's style. Time to- do a throwback John Lennon thing. Yeah, they're kind of doing like a throwback John Lennon thing. Not into it. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's certainly a defining characteristic. It doesn't look boring. I think that's true. Cool. True. It it's like the only We're talking about it. It's the only part of his like costume or his like dress that feels comic booky. Yeah. So if I said I want more comic book style stuff, I want it to be brighter and happier and all that then i have to go at least over a five because this is like the biggest like stylistic touch that they add it is a comic book move you're right about that okay let's move on that was uh looking at lenses i mean we do (laughs) i i hope we get more shows where people have glasses because it's my favorite part of the show obviously So let's, I don't know. Do you have any other notes that you want to hit on? I feel like we've talked about basically everything. Yeah, I had a couple. There's one point where Karen Page asks Matt Murdock, do you remember what it was like to see? Right. And she says it so earnestly. And I wanted to say, you idiot. Like, he was (laughs) nine, not two. Of course he remembered. Like, yeah, he was almost a 10-year-old boy. Like, you have memories that go back to when you're nine and ten, right? Like, yeah, he rem- just shit because he was like, uh, you know, being very Matt Murdock. Like, I know what everyone wants to know. I'm gonna just tell you now. And then she's like, "Well, do you remember?" It's like, "Yes, dumb dumb. Of course I remember." Like, that was just because he handled it cool. Like, I'm gonna nip this in the bud, so to speak. And then mm-hmm. she comes with the dumbest question, and yeah, that that kind of made me think she was dumb that and the lying about the usb which he of course found out about anyway in an, in the badass fight where he recovers it i like that uh, i like that um also the usb is, was rolling around in the mud and probably fell out of that dude's pocket but hey i'm not gonna nitpick and, one thing i wanted to ask you is yeah. that do you like that each episode seems to have like a crime that gets wrapped up or would you rather see like an arc be- or or am i wrong about that it it becomes an arc, yeah. It's okay. it's not like a case of the week style thing. Um, I think it's, that it's, would be awful. That that's just yeah. total cop shit. It's just that first episode, and then after that, it's pretty much a season long arc. Oh, and okay. In the new season, it's like a couple plots going on at once, but none of them really wrap up until until I haven't gotten to the end, but I assume the last episode. So it's very very cool in that fashion. Um, you know, one thing I, I did want to bring up. Well, first off, they're called ambulance chasers, so mm-hmm. I wonder if there is some history of them doing that kind of stuff, or if they have like a rep they're trying to repair. I thought that was really interesting. And another really funny line that I thought Cox was great in is that somebody asked him about combing his hair, and he's yeah, like, "Honestly, yeah. you just hope for the best." <laughs> right. Same with the glasses. That's what I was thinking. Like that's why they were so kind of shitty because. Yeah. 
He's like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I what am I going to do about that, it? That, like, that was pretty funny. Humor. I like yeah. that. Um, one more thing I wanted to mention, just comic book style, is that in another actual parallel to Man of Steel, I don't know if you've seen Man of Steel. I know I'm bringing it up a lot, but it made me think of it, is that there is this push, like these parents who are pushing their kids away from being fighters. Like in Man of Steel, a big part of it was that the the father or the the adopted the adopted father does not want Clark Kent to show off his powers because he doesn't believe the world is ready to see Superman in all its glory, right? And so he's pushing him away from like his power and his destiny and from being heroic, and he even like dies for it at one point in the movie. It's kind of the same thing with this show in that I think his name's Jack Murdoch, right? Battling Jack mm-hmm. Murdoch. He I think at one point he tells Matt to keep studying and to keep pushing like academically so that he doesn't end up like the father. Like again pushing him away from being a fighter or pushing him away from you know kind of that heroism that comes with or that we attribute to boxers in general. I would just like one flashback in this pilot episode because I think they leave it at a weird spot where he tells them that Matt can do anything that a person with vision can do. Like, I think that needed to be in this episode. Like, that thread needed to be established that his dad wasn't just trying to push him away from being a fighter but told him at one point that he could do it if he wanted to. I I didn't like that that was completely left out. Yeah. Does that make any that does that make it, any sense to you? I'm or? following you. Yeah. I just yeah. I just don't like when the parents are used to push them away from heroism. Like these guys are natural heroes. They have like hearts of gold. They should be encouraged to fight for what's good, not pushed away and told to go to school or told not to be Superman right. or whatever it is. It's just it's a weird trend to me. Well, as you know, if there's one true thing about fathers is that their role in life is to kill dreams. But this, but this show is real and dark. <laughs> yeah. Superheroes so, don't exist. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, yeah, there was that lacking motivation. Um, of course, he he does take up boxing, which is how he stays uh, able to do his parkour slash jujitsu. Mm. Is that, that uh, training sequence at the end where he's in the dark gym shadow boxing with his equipment? Yeah. What about that it? was unnecessary. I hated it. There's like yeah, every stereotype that. existing, like Asian dudes flipping through blueprints, um, <laughs> him punching the air, the corny ass music that sounded like Linkin Park. See, I actually like was was it Evanes- Evanescence from uh, the Daredevil movie? I mean, it might as well have been. <laughs> to me. Well, what was this? I think it was called uh, "Bring Me to Life," and it was like uh, yes. e- Evanescence with like that extra singer from like some other terrible butt rock band and it was <laughs> butt like rock is that what it's called <laughs> i'm pretty sure yeah it's like speaking in, of which in, yeah. in the butt rock category would be like nickelback evanescence yeah. um, hinder all hinder. that shit. oh yeah, yeah that's I, definitely butt rock yeah for sure so well, anyway the butt rock music like that kind of was pretty corny i thought yeah yeah it was like that the whole... boxing overall, like boxing, no one cares about boxing. It's over. Like, and what what's the worst part of that is that first off, that's a total pilot move, and we've yes. seen that a couple times where they like have to wrap everything, wrap the show up, but set up all the different threads. Like in that in those last two minutes, Netflix sh- a Netflix show shouldn't have to do that. That's the point. 
Like you should right. not have to do that because you can literally go to the next episode immediately. So why why feel the need to do that if you're you're going with the binging strategy? Like this show is made for a binge. You shouldn't have to and also you can make the show, the episodes any length. So you don't have right. to fill that time with a montage. So it's very strange to me that they chose to end in such an uninspiring fashion and in such a piloty fashion where it doesn't have to be treated as a pilot. Yeah, as we talked about earlier, that's like keeping to those network standards of television shows having a structure and like having a theme song that's way too long that people on Netflix just aren't going to sit through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, you don't, your show doesn't have to be. 27 minutes long you can make an 80 minute show and then next week can be 42 people don't really care that much i mean some consistency is nice for the audience but oh well like it's Mm -hmm. netflix do your thing but yeah and the other thing i guess i would just bring up while we're wrapping up is that i like that even villains have to go to meetings and like report to the guy (laughs) and everyone because i go to meetings like that now and everyone kind of says their little well in this sector of villain um we're like a little short this month sorry we got robbed by daredevil did you enjoy that the the one asshole was the american yes i did enjoy (laughs) it from shot the warden from shawshank not mistaken yeah um so yeah like i like that they have to go to meetings that was kind of funny um but other than that yeah i just think this like the affleck daredevil came out probably too soon it didn't have the support and money and like seriousness that marvel does now plus affleck was on a downward spiral like you can't really count that as daredevil but unfortunately it tainted my mind so this is a this, definitely this was a, better yeah a, definitely a much better introduction i'll have to send you a couple clips like good clips from the show because i guess this is the time in the podcast where we answer would yeah. you would you watch it theoretically through completion no i don't think i mean like i said this was way better i get that it, now i understand you know it's tied in with the avengers and mm-hmm. it's like building to something with these other characters which will probably be cool and maybe netflix will make movies you know featuring these characters but it's not better enough than the affleck vehicle to like hook me in you know it's not mm-hmm. i like superhero movies that's like a 90 minute i get it there's one adventure maybe two like, <laughs> you know what i'm saying i don't yeah. want this build up like a breaking bad style show every week where it's like get to know the villain's backstory get to know like the little minor which, thing like, which, which is a big thing in this season the villain yeah backstory. so i'm not you know what i'm saying i'm not that invested in our last section because we forgot to do it love and television would your love be interested in Daredevil? Why or why not? Yes, because it's drama and thrilling without being scary. I think it's it's CSI network enough style that she would relate to it. Mm-hmm. and It would be a little more hip for her, I think, than maybe the shit her parents watch on CBS. So, yeah, I could see her. If I was really into it, I think she would watch it with me with minimal suffering. Right. Maybe maybe on the iPad while watching. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Gotcha. Uh, maybe like look up for the fights. Things like. How about that. you? Uh, oh, we watch it. Yeah, we're. She's oh, into, so she's, you're already in. Yeah, she's into it. Um, like I said, we binged nine episodes just in two days. So uh, she's she's definitely into it, and she loves the fights. 
and uh, some of the bigger fights that they pull off like the the one shot take things that they do are, are really cool and um she i think over this past season she's grown to not like daredevil so much her her, <laughs> her main reason is like the main the main character her main yeah. reason is that he does batman mouth which is something that i i describe as like it's like kind of open but kind of not like it's open enough that you don't see the teeth but it's just like <laughs> it's just like constantly an open mouth like your lips are always open yeah yeah like you know Chris, christian bale did it a lot in that's what that's why we call it Batman mouth. Christian Bale did it in Dark Knight Rises a lot, where he was like, "The city needs me," and <laughs> his mouth would just be open just a tiny little bit. So like, <laughs> it's like you can't see anything really. It's just like the lips are like a little separated. But that's what she calls a Batman mouth. And so she's she's souring on Charlie Cox, but um, we we've liked the new season quite a bit. Oh, so. good. Yeah, yeah, it's a show that we can actually watch together. All right, let's wrap it up. This has been Pilot Study, episode number 19, right? We're up there, yeah. Number 19. So our next episode is going to be the last in our superhero month, and it is going to be a reader's, a reader's choice. So we don't have a poll for you. or Excuse me, we don't have a clip for you, but there will be a poll live um, via our Twitter. Uh, we'll probably post this before this episode goes live, but you can go back and you can check out the results Um at Modern Vinyl on Twitter. Do you want to do your plugs? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at underscore Grimes John. Okay. Um, or yeah, at Pilot Study Pod for that poll, as well as Modern Vinyl. Yep. And uh, you can email us at pilotstudypod at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or if you'd like to see any shows go live. Thank you, Grimes, as always, for joining me on this early Sunday morning. Thank you. And we will talk to you guys soon. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study.